1: We are honored to have one of our honorary Mishpaha here this week. Rabbi Dr. Bruce Tucker is the leader of Congregation Beth Judah in
0: Ormond Beach, Florida. He is a known conference speaker, professor, and business leader. He and his wife, Glenda, conducted our couples retreat earlier this year, which was loved by everyone. Formerly a member, we sent Rabbi Bruce to lead the congregation in Florida many years ago. He is family to us. So let's give him a big welcome, Rabbi Dr. Bruce Tucker.
1: Thank you, Michael. Shabbat shalom, everybody. Shabbat shalom. It seems like almost every time that I come home to uh, have the privilege of sharing the word, Michael's leading. But now I understand where all the 48-year-olds went tonight. When he announced for the children to go, he said all the 48-year-olds can can leave. If he said the 67-year-olds, then I'd be in that company as well. It's so good good to see everybody tonight. Uh, It's so good to be home. It's cold up here. And I'm happy to be with you. Let's go right to the Scriptures tonight. Let's go to Genesis, chapter 44. Uh, As Michael has already announced, we're in the uh, month of Tevet. And we're also in the second year of of a Shabbat cycle in the Bible. In the first year, sometimes when we study it in this way, We place a lot of emphasis on the seed that God is planting in us for an entire year. And then as the year turns uh, during Rosh Hashanah, the 10 days of awe, we go into another year. And the second year, a good thing to study is how God nourishes the seed that he's planting within us. There are so many times that we hear the Word of God, the Bible, over and over and over again. And God plants this seed in us, and we're familiar with the parable about the different kinds of soil that the, the Word lands upon. But what really matters in the way for, this, for the Word of God to do its work in us is for us to place ourselves in the environments where we are nourished, where that seed that's within us, it needs to be a place where it's without storm. There needs to be times where there's refreshing. The most difficult lifestyle choices we have is not what we believe. It's how we appropriate and internalize what we believe. The most difficult things that we experience are manageable when we receive God's word and then find ourselves, place ourselves, it's our decision to place ourselves in those environments where God's word, that seed can be nourished. Because at the moment that that seed is planted, it only has a very little bit of sustenance. And it needs this nourishing environment of soil. It needs this nourishing environment of, of uh, warmth. It needs this nourishing environment. And Mazel tov to you for being here tonight, To for me for being here tonight, because this is the place where God is going to nourish us. The Parsha this week is Vayagash, and it means, and he drew near. And it's speaking of one particular person who was at the end of his ability to change the circumstances that he was in. And he drew near in a way that Changed everything and opened up the ability of others to draw near. Why is it so important to ask the question how does God nourish us when we draw near to Him? Why is it so important? for us to draw near to those places where that nourishment exists. Not simply the Word, not simply the Bible, but to place ourselves in environments where this Word can do its work within us. Where His Word is not like a skipping stone across the spirit of our souls. How many of you have skipped stones at the lake and those kinds of things? His word is intended to go into our inner being and into our depths. And what he does for us is invite us into his presence. So we've drawn near to a certain level tonight. And it's important to continue this experience in this process of drawing near because the circumstances and the experiences of life can cause us to feel like we're distant from God or that God is distant from us. And when we feel like we're distant from God or that God is distant from us, from time to time, I just feel like I'm not doing all that great in my spiritual life. And there comes these points in time when it's like, I just don't feel like I've got it together, like I need to have it together. But we know that the answer to that is to hear God call us into His presence. It's easy to feel distant from God. It's easy to feel like, God is distant from us. Where are you, God? Why is this happened? Couldn't there have been a better timeline along the way here? If we continue in this experience of feeling distant from God, or God is distant from us, I'm praying to you, but you're, you're out there somewhere, you know, kind of like Fiefel in an American tale. somewhere out there. And the difficulties of life can be so difficult that it feels like God is out there somewhere. And our prayer is to try to get Him to hear us, that He might come down or come back or come in or something along that way. When we continue in that feeling of being distant and God is far off, or we're far off, or, uh, okay, so I just came up with a really neat word. We, I, uh, Gilly and I spoke at the YMJA the other night, and we were talking about, I actually used uh, Chat GPT to give me what I needed to open up that time with the young people, and it was pretty good. They laughed. Uh, but one of the things that we used to say when I was in high school, I started high school 50 years ago this fall. Why are you laughing, Bruce? <laughs> far out. You know, that's one of the things that we used to say, far out. You know, how many of you, how many of you know what far out means? It's sick. Sometimes we feel like God is, is, is far out there. And we're trying to do something to get God to come back to where we are. When we continue in that sense of feeling distant from God, we can get discouraged. When we get discouraged, we can get depressed. And there's no greater experience in life that can make us feel like we're distant from life as supposed to be and we're getting discouraged because of this is what is happening, and we're depressed because of what's happening, is the experience of death. Paul says that death is the last enemy. It's the last enemy to fall. I hate death. I don't embrace it. There's a whole counseling approach that says you need to embrace and make death your friend. And, and death is not my friend. I hate death. Death brings on darkness. I know dark. The sun, I'm from the coast of Maine, and the sun is setting on the coast of Maine. at. Right around 3.45 p.m. is sunset on the coast of Maine. I don't like December on the coast of Maine. I don't like December because of the things that have happened since I've been at Beth Judah. The four most important people of my life have all passed away in the month of December. It's cold in Maine in the month of December. I called my family, I said, you're gonna to have to stop dying in the month of December, because I'm not gonna come home anymore in the month of December, because guess who they call to come do the memorials and the funerals. But there's another flip side of that, because in the summertime, the sun comes up at 3.45 in the morning and if we are able to make it through those difficult times and those difficult experiences, if we know that at that moment of the darkest night, that we can somehow experience the nearness and closeness of God in some way, We know that we can turn a corner as as surely as the earth turns its tilt in every experience that we have that are these difficult experiences. As surely as the darkness is strong, the light is stronger. And what happens in the Parsha this week is that these family members are experiencing the most difficult times of their lives. A 17-year-old young man was in a dungeon for 13 years. His father was grieving. He wanted, I might as well just die here. when they just tried to do something to help the experience of famine that was going on, well, it wasn't enough, we don't have food, and they went down, and then they found themselves in this situation, and the brothers of Joseph who sold him into slavery and created this false narrative that some animal killed him, they were dealing with the guilt and the shame of that. Joseph recognizes the brothers when they come down, and Joseph created this test because he didn't know what was going to happen, and he didn't know what they were like. And they created this test, and he said, I want you to go back and get the youngest brother, Benjamin. And Jacob said, if you take Benjamin, I'll die. And Judah takes the risk of drawing near in a way that none of the other brothers were willing to do all those years earlier, 13 years earlier. Let's go to chapter 44, verse 1. I'm sorry, chapter 44, verse 18. Judah makes one last appeal to this powerful, powerful man, and he does not know who it is. He makes one last appeal so that his father won't grieve any longer. And his brother might not, his younger brother might not have to come and possibly die himself. And what Judah does at this moment is serve as a model for us to know that we can take some steps forward in the most difficult situations of our lives. But when we do that, we're also concerned. I don't know if I can make it out alive. Judah moves forward, and he doesn't know what's going to happen. We move forward, and we don't know what's going to happen. And all we know is that we need God near to us. And what our Father is saying is that I'm nearer than you know. God, our Father, has been present in this space before anyone arrived here tonight. God has been present before a light came on or a door was unlocked. God has been present in this place before this building was ever built. God has been present in this place before this earth was ever created. God has been present in this place before there was a universe. And he's been waiting for us to come to this moment, in this place, to draw near to him. Tonight's a night for drawing near. I'm just absolutely amazed that this is the Parsha for this week. And where we begin this process is to understand that God gives us a hat to draw near to Him. Don't know how, don't have the answers. Because something does or does not work for me doesn't mean it's going to work or not work for you. God has a way that He's going to draw you closer and closer and closer to Him tonight. We're not here to bring God in and bring the Spirit down. We're here tonight to enter the presence of God. Judah had a heart to draw near. Verse 18 says, Then Judah approached. Nagash is the verb here. Judah drew near to Joseph. He knew Joseph could kill him on the spot. But he knew that it was the only way, the only way that this situation was going to change was when Judah took a step forward. And maybe we all need to take a step forward tonight in some ways that we've been waiting for God to come and meet us. And God is already present everywhere all the time. In every way. And He's tonight we say, Lord, my heart is to draw near to you. Joseph, Judah approached Joseph and he said, I beg your pardon, my Lord. Please let your servant say a word in my Lord's ears and don't be angry with your servants since you are like Pharaoh, which means you've got all the power. Joseph, uh, I'm sorry, Judah approaches this Powerful, powerful person. And he tells him the whole story. He recounts the whole story as if to remind all of us what a, of what a difficult situation this is. And his father's going to die from grief. He's so stressed. and Joseph, And Judah tells Joseph the whole story. And then at the end of this account, Judah takes the bravest step that any of the brothers have ever taken. And he goes up to this powerful assistant to Pharaoh, not knowing that it's his own brother Joseph, and he says, I will give my life for the life of that young son. Joseph knew at that moment that something had taken place in the heart of Judah. Judah offers his life and says, I'm yours. And then in chapter 45, whatever it was, you you see, we got to understand where Joseph was at this point. The names of his children, he named his children names as if to let everybody know my past life, it's over. My family's behind me. My, My place of origin is behind me. I've left it behind. I'm done. I'm done with the way my life was. I'm done with my family. Notice the names of his children. But Joseph may have thought that his heart had safely rid itself of all the difficult things, but when Judah took that step, the depths of Joseph's soul that had been locked away erupted, because now Joseph calls his brothers, he doesn't come near to them, but he calls them to come near to him, God calls us nearer to himself tonight, now Joseph could no longer restrain himself in front of all those who were standing by him, so he cried out, get everyone away from me. When he said, get everyone away from me, everyone ran. So no one stood with him when he, was, when he made himself known to his brothers. But he gave his voice to weeping so that the Egyptians heard and Pharaoh's household heard. heard. And Joseph said to his brothers, Ani Yosef, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? And his brothers were unable to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. And then Joseph said to his brothers, please. He pleaded with his brothers. He had the power to kill them on the spot. And yet Joseph allowed whatever it was that still yearned for an experience that he believed he had to put behind him. He said, please come near me. Nagash. So they came near. I'm Joseph, your brother, the one you sold to Egypt. I wish I could have a videotape of this just so I could hear his tone of voice at that moment. I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt, so now don't be grieved and don't be angry in your eyes. What does that take? To be able to speak to someone you're so angry with, and you can even say, I've forgiven them. What must the presence of God be like? that enabled Joseph to say, don't be angry in your own eyes that you sent me here. Since it was for preserving life that God sent me before you. There have been two years of famine in the land. There'll be five more years yet with no plowing or harvesting. But God sent me ahead of you to ensure a remnant in the land and to keep you alive for a great escape. So now it wasn't you. You didn't send me here. God did. And he made me a father to Pharaoh, lord over his whole house, and ruler over the whole land of Egypt. In the most difficult, grievous, distant, discouraging, depressing situations in life, somehow we need to come to the place where we say, God brought me here. When we come to this moment where we can say, my life as it is, The unseen hand in all of this is God. Why? Because He wants to do a work in us that we cannot do. God, our hearts are to draw near to You. We need You tonight. We are asking you to draw us so near into your presence. So near into your presence. Draw us into your presence. Do tonight what we cannot do. To have the confidence that we can go from the darkest night to the brightest morning. These situations, we give up trying to understand them and we give up trying to blame others and we give up trying to blame ourselves. We just give all of that up and tonight we ask you to draw us so into your presence. We give up trying to see you with these eyes and hear you with these ears and we give up trying to touch you with these hands and we give up trying to put you in a test tube that we can examine and figure out. We give all of that up tonight and we say one thing, Father. We need your presence. And you are here with us tonight. God gives us a heart to draw near to him. When that happens, he begins to teach us something that many of us may never have learned. Let's go to the half Torah section in Ezekiel. In Ezekiel, the half Torah is about bringing Israel back home. Many, many years later, they've been exiled from home. They were gone from home. What God declares at the end of the day is that we will know that some things are really about to happen when God brings Israel home. And we learn from this with Israel that as much as God gives us a heart to draw near to him, he's calling us, he's giving us a home to draw near to him. He wants to reteach us what home is all alike. He wants to reteach us what love is. He wants to reteach us what love and acceptance and forgiveness is all about. He wants to reteach us what mercy and compassion are. He wants to reteach us. And when we have this heart to draw near to him, he begins to teach us about his home. And we give up all our emotional hooks. We give up trying to demand from God that he answer this question. We give up trying to demand from God that he do this thing. We give up putting God to the test. Larry Crabb, one of the most popular faith counselors of a generation ago. I don't even know if Dr. Crabb is still alive. And he wrote a book entitled From the Inside Out. And in the most difficult crisis that I've ever experienced in my faith to that point in time, I had to realize that I have to give up my demands of God. Because if I'm demanding that God reveal Himself to me in a certain way, Then I'm the God of this situation. And God is calling us into His presence tonight, and He's saying, Will you give up your demands of me? Will you stop trying to make me do what you want to do so that you can believe that I exist? Come near hear my hat, I'm doing things in a way that's going to have a greater impact than any of us know. God says, as surely as I bring Israel home, I'm going to teach you what home is all about. Ezekiel 37 verse 21 says, Then say to them, thus says Adonai Elohim, Behold, I myself will take B'nai Yisrael from among the nations where they have gone. I will gather them from every side and I will bring them into their own land. I'll bring them home. The force of the verbs, the Hebrew verbs here are so strong. He stands up at the very beginning of this proclamation. He says, Hine, Ani. Behold, I am doing this. I'm going to bring Israel home. It's not the nations. It's not the United Nations. It's not anybody else who's going to make this happen for Israel. I know what's going on with Israel. I know how to lead Israel. I know how to lead Israel to the place where they will do what they need to do whether the world supports them or not. Because I have a way of dealing with Israel. And when the world sees the way that I deal with Israel, when the world sees Israel do what I want them to do, whether the world likes it or not, the world is going to realize that the world is not God. So thankful for our country. I'm so thankful for the United States and the support and the things we've done. We all want our country to do more and some want our country to do different things. The recent Harris poll that came out, the study that was done, shows how much of our country supports what Israel is doing, except there's one demographic that I'm worried about. And it's the demographic of the 18 to 24-year-olds where it's split 50-50. Some think Israel was right and 50% think Hamas was right. God says, I'm bringing Israel home. And when I bring Israel home, there's a reason for this. There's a purpose for this. He said, I'm passionate about this. I will do it. I'm I'm intense about this. I'm going to make it happen is what these verbs say. In verse 24, it's not because he's just passionate about it is because he's got a prince for this world he has a leader for this world my servant david will be king over them they will all have one shepherd they will walk in my ordinances and observe my rulings and do them they will live in the land that i gave to my servant jacob where your ancestors live they will live here they their children and their children's children forever and my servant david will be their prince forever i will cut a covenant of peace shalom with him It will be an everlasting covenant with them. I will give it to them and I will multiply them and I will set my sanctuary among them forever. Will you say forever? Forever. My dwelling place, I will be near to them. I will be their God and they will be my people. He's passionate about this. He's got the prince that's going to lead this world. But there's a purpose to all of this that's happening right now. Look at this last verse of that chapter, verse 28, I think it is. Then the nations will know that I am Adonai who sets apart Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forever. Everyone say forever. Forever. The nations are only going to understand what's happening when God sets Israel apart and puts his sanctuary in them forever. He's making a home for a people for thousands of years who have had no home. I discovered Audible. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1. I discovered Audible. And so, the books that I've purchased are my first one. My first one was uh, by Peter Atia. I think it's Outlived, and uh, basically he said, "Bruce, you got to stop going to the deli." I'm working on that. Then my second book is a book about Larry Bird and the Boston Celtics in the 1980s, and the title of the book is, "I Wish It Lasted Forever." I downloaded two books to listen to on the way up here today. One was uh, when I drove up and one was, the title was something like, Because We Were Jewish. And it was this stark testimony of Holocaust survivors. I listened to them for an hour. I knew that I could not come in here after just listening them for an hour. I don't understand what God is doing and how He's doing it, the things that are happening on this earth. I don't know the details that people often want someone like us to know. I don't know. I do know the promises. So the second book that I listened to on the way up was on Jewish comedy. How unique it is and how different it is. Because somewhere along the line, we've got to take this look at life. In 1981, Steve Allen, a comedian, said that 80% of all the comedians in the United States who were performing were Jews. Don't you think that they would have the fewest people laughing? Somewhere, somewhere in life, life is both tragic and triumphant. The difficult things in life, death is both depressing and delightful. How We can make jokes about death. But there's only one way to do that. Hope. God gives us a hope that draws us near. And so the renewal of every difficult experience we've had is founded in hope. What's the name of the National anthem of Israel. Hatikvah. What does hatikvah mean? Why did they name the national anthem Oy Vey? <laughs> People have been through that much stuff. Realize that somewhere along the line, we have to hold these two realities in juxtaposition that death can be a tragedy, but death also says something about life. And the reason we struggle with this so much is because we were never created to experience death. We weren't created to experience it. That's why we can't make sense of it. That's why there's no logic to it. There's no... God's plan for death. God didn't have a plan for us to experience death. Humanity's brought this upon itself. And yet God says something about, in the midst of this, there is hope. And how does Yeshua fit into all of this? The Torah and the prophets and the writings always lead us to the Messiah. Messiah. And as Messiah Yeshua upholds, he fulfills, he's continuing to complete. Did he not say, until all these things are accomplished, don't get rid of the Torah? He's continuing to complete the things that are written in the Torah. And Yeshua is upholding this Torah of drawing near to God. I want to do just a brief survey. Here. I'd like for the music team if you come please that song that you sang I am that begins with close I want to be close to it when I came down to Beth Judah almost eleven years ago when I moved down to Beth Judah I was by myself for the first few weeks and we had lived in Ackworth Georgia for 20-some-odd years, Cobb County for almost 30 years, and I love Beth Hillel, and this is where I thought I was going to be all the rest of my life. And it's like, oh, yeah, let's go to Beth Judah. It's like Rabbi E. said, somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to go to Florida. And I remember being on I-10, and realizing i just left my home i just left home what am i doing and it was this song that got me across that stretch of i-10 when my family was back dismantling the house the lord says that there are things that we have lost that when we draw near to his presence Not that He draws near to us. He already is. You are already here tonight. Yeshua gives us a hope so that we can draw near to God. Just a a brief survey tonight. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look at your neighbor and say, who's Mark? He's the second one. I want to read from Matthew chapter 1. But Yeshua brings us this earthly nearness tonight. Now the birth of Yeshua the Messiah happened this way. When his mother Miriam was engaged to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Ruach HaKodesh. Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, made up his mind to dismiss her secretly. But while he considered these things, behold, an angel of Adonai appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Miriam as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Ruach HaKodesh. She will give birth to a son and you shall call his name Yeshua for he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by Adonai through the prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Not that God was not here. But now God came and revealed Himself in His Son Yeshua, His earthly nearness. Now we have a witness. Let's go to Mark chapter 15. He walked on this earth. What's it like to go from a Marriott to a tent? I don't know, because I'm standing at the Marriott. I don't want tents. Yeshua has brought us a physical nearness, but Yeshua is also bringing us a spiritual nearness in Mark chapter 15, verse 33 when the sixth hour had come, darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Yeshua cried out with a loud voice, Eloi! Eloi! Lama sabachthani! My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? At that moment in time, Yeshua persuaded His people that He was with them where they were spiritually. Because in Jewish use of the Scripture, it's not just the first verse, it's the whole Psalm 22. And when we read Psalm 22, we come to realize that Yeshua knew what it was like to feel like that worm of a person. Yeshua knew what it felt like to be abandoned. But at the end of it, he says, I will still praise you in the sanctuary. I will still praise you with the people because the kingdom and the dominion belong to Adonai. The Lord has done this. He's spiritually with us tonight in whatever difficulty we're in in whatever part we're suffering. Luke chapter 24 is Yeshua's powerful nearness. Now on the first day of the week, at daybreak, the women came to the tomb carrying the spices they'd prepared. They found the stone that had been rolled away from the tomb. And when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Yeshua. But while they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them, The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you search for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. A great miracle happened there. Remember what he told you when he was still in the Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. He must be executed. And on the third day, he must rise again. Death is an enemy that can take us to the depths of darkness, but death is an enemy where God shows His greatest power, and that's why there's so much in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, in the Brick Hadashah, that talks about living by the Spirit of resurrection. John chapter 20, verse 30, is Yeshua's life-giving nearness. And Father, We are asking you as we draw near and sing this song that you will make us aware of your nearness. Yeshua performed many other signs in the presence of the disciples near them, which are not written in this book, but these things have been written so that you may believe that Yeshua is Mashiach ben Elohim, and that by believing you may have life in His name. I have come that you might have life and life to the full. If you don't know Yeshua as your leader tonight, I invite you to rise up And draw near and experience His presence. He wants to be close to us. Death may be the last enemy, but death is not the last breath. God is with us tonight. He's been waiting for us to come in and sing this song. Amen.
2: So heaven is real and death is a
0: Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom.